It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Matthew Bellows, founder and CEO of Yesware. You know, it continues to amaze me that in this digital, connected, data-driven world, that the whole concept of sales intelligence is still kind of foreign to so many sales reps. I mean, people who have listened to the show know that we are devoting a lot of time to exploring the sales stack, this roster of sales technologies that will improve both the effectiveness and the efficiency of your sales efforts. And I believe that the base or the top of the sales stack, depending on on where you're looking at it from, is a tool that's really at heart's very simple. And a lot of times people generically call it email tracking, and it's you know, rapidly evolving to become more than that. But it's a tool that I think no sales team should be selling without. And our guest today, Matthew Bellows, has been a pioneer in that space. He's going to help us learn all about it. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. It's great to be here. So take a minute, introduce yourself uh, yeah, your background, how you got started in sales, how you came up with this idea for Yesware. Sure. I, I'm not a, a sort of typical salesperson. I didn't sort of uh, come out of college and get a sales job at a great sales training organization. I sort of found my way into sales um, because I worked at startups for, you know, in the early part of my career. And I quickly realized that, you know, you can either be making bullets or shooting bullets. And uh, it turned out the best way for me and my particular psychology and skill sets was about, you know, selling, about right, close right. deals. And so I found myself in these sales roles. And so what's, what sort of products were you selling? The first company that I joined um, sort of back in the East Coast and back in the computer industry sold over the telephone speech recognition. And my first job actually was building a, um, a training program for their, uh, for their customers. And we had a sales guy there named Will Yap who sold the hell out of my training program, you know. And every, every time I ran a class, 80 or 90 percent of the people came from Will's customer base. And so I started hanging out with him more and sort of he was making my, you know, job happen. And I started hanging out with him and just sort of learning from him a little bit. And he was really the one that inspired me to get into the software sales. So we can thank Will Yap for Yesware. Exactly. <laughs> Will, Will Yap, and my first sales job actually was before that, but it wasn't in the tech space. It was I was a door-to-door canvasser for the nuclear weapons freeze campaign. Uh-huh. In college and before college, I used to go door-to-door um, knocking on people's doors and asking them to contribute money to a lobbying organization that we had in Washington. Um, so that was my sort of on-the-ground sales training experience. And I think I still own the record for the largest amount of money raised on my first night out in territory. <laughs> and how much was that? It was $185. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> which, which was, I guess, a record at that time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like your own little super pack. So, um, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so what was the impetus then for starting Yesware? What was the need you were filling? Or what did you see out there that said, hey, this is the time and the space we need to be here? Yeah, so I, I made my career more or less in sales, and even at my first startup, which was in 2001, I acted as the main salesperson for the product. Um, and uh, just prior to Yesware, I was the VP of sales at a venture-backed startup 
in Boston. And, you know, I had the same experience that I think many of your listeners have, which is uh, every Friday, walk around the sales floor, say, guys, update your sales force before you go, update your sales force, make sure all your stuff is up to date. And I would watch as their eyes would roll back in their heads and then they would dutifully, you know, type in good call, good call, good call. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was, you know, and all of this then culminated in the quarterly report to the board where I put up my 30, 60, 90 day pipeline and told the board precisely how much revenue we were going to drive from which deal when. And the process of getting from that Friday roundup to that board slide was for, to my mind, the biggest, you know, waste of time uh, possible. And yet we spent so much time doing it and so much, uh, so much sort of riding on it because the CEO was counting on the team and I was counting on the team and the board was counting on the team and make the certain number and close the certain deals. And it was very unsatisfying because there was absolutely no data behind what I was doing. And as a VP of sales then, uh, my first thought was, oh, this CRM is bad. We need a better CRM. And so I went and looked at a bunch of other CRMs, and I realized that a $20 billion industry uh, was fundamentally predicated on a flaw. And that flaw is garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, salespeople relying on their memory to recreate a week later what happened. And, and my eyes got as big as basketballs because I was basically like, wait a minute, every business in the country has this problem. If we can solve this problem, then we'll have a real company. Like, this will be big. And, and then I thought, well, there's two ways to do this. One is, you know, you can make software for a VP of sales and tell him to push it down in his organization or her organization. But the great thing about sales is that if you help the salesperson be more effective, then they personally make more money. They get richer. And if they get richer, their manager gets richer. And if the manager gets richer, the VP gets richer. And so it's a virtuous circle. And so the theory behind the design, major design criteria behind Yesware and the theory of what we're doing in general is help the end user salesperson be more successful, get access to their stream of data, and then create more and more benefits throughout the organization. So we try to grow the top line and by doing that, we get access to the data from their activities and we can make them more effective across the board. Right. And that, that information about their activity, the key component that wasn't there is how is the customer engaging with what you're sending them? Exactly right. So it's not just the activity, well, did, did I call that customer, but what did they do when I sent them the email? So, so <laughs> the very first activity that we tracked in Yesware, and Yesware now is five years old, the very first activity we tracked was how many emails did you send? But that was incredibly unsatisfying to me because what that, what that encourages is a blind and mindless pressing of the send button. What's much more interesting and what's more, much more engaging, and now that we have the data, much more meaningful from a business perspective is who replied and when. What did they say and who did they copy on the reply and how quickly did they reply? That kind of customer level re response is the thing that actually makes a difference when you're looking at your pipeline. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as you said, how could you have put together your quarterly board report 
without that information? I mean, I, mean, I, I know the answer because I've had to do it many, many times. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, tell people, how'd you put it together? I just made it up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would go around, talk to each rep, talk about their deals, sometimes sit in on calls or go on customer visits. And then I would, they would tell me what they thought, when they thought it was going to close for how much. And then I would... I discounted it all down based on my read of their psychology. Oh, this this person's a sandbagger. Oh, this person's overly optimistic. And then I would, you know, have that discount column. Then I would add up all those discounted numbers to a total. And then I would go to my CEO. <laughs> then I would go to my CEO and I would say, "Hey, it's going to be five twenty-five next month." And he would say, uh, "Well, it's got to be five fifty. And so I would go back and I would change it from five twenty-five to five fifty. And then I would present it to the board like it's going to be five fifty. <laughs> <laughs> like that—that's my forecast. Come on, that like, was data-based. Honestly, yeah. And yet I would present it, and they would all like sort of look at me and nod sagely and be like, "Okay, you know, good luck with that." Yeah, it's yeah. Unsatisfying. Yeah, and also scary. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not to, not to mention scary, right? So, <clears throat> what are you seeing then? So. Now that you've had some time that you've been out, you said five years, people using the product. Well, maybe take a step back and say, okay, so explain to people sort of what the fundamentals of a product like Yesware, what does it do? Sure. At a, at a basic level, um, we integrate in with the places salespeople already work. So we don't want to make them take a long training course or change their workflows. We integrate in with their email, their calendar, their mobile phone, their CRM, and uh, add a bunch of sales-specific features to these generic tools they already use. So we add you know, email analytics, um, tracking which email uh, gets opened, which gets replied to, which links get clicked, which presentations get downloaded, which slide the prospect looks at for how long, etc. All these kind of both rep-focused and prospect-focused means of measuring engagement and interest and activity. Yeah, so let's spend a few minutes to talk about those because there's sort of a little basket of, of goodies you put there. And it, it still amazes me that you know I can go places and talk to a lot of companies as I do that are still unaware that this basic level of functionality exists. And maybe, you know, different a little bit in the tech space people sort of get it but you know the world is it's a big world out there beyond the tech space and i always give the example i did a workshop for a company that had about 100 inside sales reps a little bit over a year ago and tail end of 2015 and no or 2014 excuse me no uh no idea that any of them that a tool like yesware existed yeah, uh, it's true. It, it's a it, it, it's a it's very early days in this segment of the enterprise software industry. So if you think about it from a sales rep's perspective, you had I think back to my early days when I was this is a long, long, long time ago when I was you know, out making calls in the field. Is unfortunately we didn't have email, but even when we first had email, yeah. that. If I could have known that somebody had opened it, somebody had clicked on a link that I included to a white paper or an article somewhere, if somebody had downloaded a presentation, if I knew that they were looking at the pricing page 
yep. you know, twice in one day, or maybe they hadn't looked at it for two weeks and they come back and they're looking at it four times in one day. I'm all over that. Yep. The, the, the key thing about sales, which I didn't really know in my early days either, but I've learned through experience is qualifying. Who, and the main way you qualify is you, uh, if in real time you ask difficult questions and in uh, offline or asynchronously, you look to see who's engaged. And if someone's reading my email or downloading my presentation or whatever, that means they're engaged and that's a good sign. And I'll spend more time with those people than the people who aren't interested. Well, I think it's a key key point is, just, and for people listening to sort of make sure they they caught that is qualification absolutely important. But as you said, ask the difficult questions first, then see how they follow up to the information you send with regard to the difficult questions. Yeah, the second best answer is a quick no. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, just tell me. It's like going to a bar too. You know. You see some pretty person, attractive person you want to talk to, and you go up to them and you say, hey, do you want to talk? And they say no. And you're like, okay, great. Now it's just saved me a half an hour. Yeah. And that, okay. So perfect example. We're going to digress a little bit here, but <laughs> I get feedback. I get pushback on this all the time because you know, I've written articles about this. So I said no is not always an objection and no is not always a reason to sell harder. Well, Actually, sometimes no is just that. It's no and move on. And oh, you would think you would think I'd committed a crime against humanity the way people write back about that, because yeah, most salespeople are trained to think that no means sell harder. Well, you and I are completely aligned on this. I, I think that um, salespeople who try to convince other people are wasting their time, and they're they're wasting the other person's time. The, the, you're not trying to find someone to convince. You're trying to find someone who already wants to buy. Like when I was canvassing for the nuclear weapons freeze campaign, my first sales job, I'm going door to door and I'm not looking to try to convince somebody to support the nuclear <laughs> weapons freeze campaign. No, you're trying to get money from the people that are already convinced. It's not going to work. Yeah. I don't want to waste my time trying to convince somebody who, you know, <laughs> I want to find the people who already support it and get their money. And how long was your hair at that time? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It varied in length. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So make sure you had it pulled back in the ponytail. Of course, you're a little bit younger than I am, but <laughs> we would have been out with shoulder length hair and ponytails. So um, I'll put that picture on my website at some point. Yeah. So yeah, I think this this basic level of sales intelligence, and given you know how how inexpensive tools like Yesware are. If you're listening to this and, and you're you don't have this basic level of of your sales stack, this basic sales technology app, you really need to make this your priority, I believe. Because again, it just gives your sales your sales reps so much basic intelligence to help qualify the prospects for one, as we talked about. And then once they're qualified and understand how they're engaging. So it gives you clues as to how you should be engaging with them and how to most effectively spend their time and your time. You, you can just go to yesware.com, uh, download our software for free, and try it out. And give it to your sales team and have them try it out. And if it doesn't help them make more money in you know, your sales cycle, then uh, you know, we, we're not doing our job. But you know, when we started five years ago, 
it was really just a theory that we could apply the power of software and help salespeople be more effective. Now I'm sure of it. Now we have customers uh, across the globe, um, over 800,000 registered users, uh, 100,000 more daily active users, so very involved user base, and companies like Twitter and Box and Groupon and Yelp with hundreds or thousands of Yesware users across their teams. So I know it can actually work. Yeah, and I, I can... I can vouch for it as well. So, <clears throat> as I say, you know, why why would you just like flying an airplane? Why do you want to fly an airplane with with blinders on, right? You know, with your eyes covered when you have all this information that's available. So, um, so so that's the first part of yes, where the first part is giving software to salespeople to help them be more effective. The second part is actually the more interesting part from a manager point of view. It's saying. If we help a salesperson do their job, they give us access to the stream of activity. Um, and so we can aggregate that, those data streams for the right audience. For the salesperson, we can say, you know, use this message, not this message. Um, for the sales team, we can say, here are the, most, the best performing objection handling templates. Or for the sales manager, we can say, this person's getting more replies than the other person, or this person's the accounts that this person working are more engaged than other people. Um, and then for the sales VP, looking across the whole organization, you could say, these deals look like they're ready to close. These deals look like they're not baked yet. These deals need more activity. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that one of the things that, just to clarify for the audience, in case you know, they haven't been to your website yet, is that one of the things that a tool like Yesware does is, is the ability to create email templates, you know, various messages and do a sort of a, you know, you're not a marketing automation system, but do a, a, a mail merge yep. a personalized mail merge so that you can send out, you know, messages in bulk. And you can see, again, as you said, you can track through your analytics, which templates, which messages are resonating and which aren't. Exactly right. So, and it's, it's again, if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you want to use that data? As you said, it, it builds up throughout the organization so that at the right level, you can give the right level of guidance. You know, one reason why I heard at the beginning why people wouldn't want to use it is because they were afraid that salespeople would, would um, push back against the amount of oversight or reporting that Yesware enables. Because, um, you know, there's really... Because it because it just automatically collects data and writes all kinds of data into your data into your CRM for you, um, there's there's not a lot of room to hide. Um, but surprisingly, salespeople like it because our, our customers have said that it saves them an hour or two a day of data entry into their CRM. Right. And salespeople want to use that time either to sell or knock off early and go play golf or do something else. So we haven't gotten that push out that I expected. Yeah, well, and I think one of the reasons being is that it's clear that this tool is created for the sales reps as opposed to most CRM systems, which is clear they're created for management. So, I mean, just the way you approach it, it seems like it would account for some of that difference in how it's received. I hope that's right. I, that's a real important design criteria we have for the software is that you know, no training required, gives salespeople benefit in 15 seconds or less, um, you know, easy to use and and gets out of their way when they don't want to use it. Right. All right, well, good. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about sort of 
what's happening in terms of or how these types of applications like yes we're evolving to handle future needs and what those needs might be as we'll be doing that with my guest matthew bellows we'll be right back hi this is andy Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, we're back. We're here with Matthew Bellows, founder and CEO of Yesware. We've been talking about, uh, you know, his tool, Yesware, talking about the marketplace, how they're using it, uh, the data and the analytics that flow to management to be able to help them, help the salespeople become more productive. Um, so the question we we're going to ask, we came back, is so how's how's this market space that you're in? How's this evolving? Because as I mentioned, sort of in the open, is is you know people are sort of coming at the space from different directions. We're seeing some overlap between maybe sales development platforms, sales follow-up platforms, certain sales engagement platforms. And so how do you think this is all going to track out and, and or excuse me, shake out and, and uh, maybe what's happening, what's going to be new in the space? Yeah, um, it, it's, it's, it's such an exciting time. Um, we started Yesware uh, in the fall of 2010. Um, and at that time, th- there really was not a category about sales software. The, the first generation of tools, um, ACT and Goldmine and companies like that, had become CRMs and had become much more management focused, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. And, and the companies like um, Genius and others that started out as sales software had really shifted to be more marketing automation. Right. And, and so we came into a space, and when, when I was out sort of talking to investors at the, in the, at the beginning about this opportunity, a lot of them sort of looked at it, and they were like, there's no industry here. There's no category called sales software. It doesn't exist. That, and and I, that, that makes them uneasy because they can't put you in a niche. Exactly. And I said, I, uh, my answer to that was, I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe there's no category it's going to be multi-billions tens of billions of dollars and many of them at that point i should be at the office yes uh, but but a few actually said you know what this is so crazy it just might work and uh you know we raised money from google ventures and foundry group at the beginning and kind of got us started but now you know it's clear that uh using the power of software to help salespeople be more effective uh, is an incredibly rich area of software development. And you're right, there's big companies and small companies working on these problems all the time now. And it's really, it's really exciting, uh, exciting time to see. So how do you think things are going to evolve then in your space? Well, if, if I draw analogies to, um, the easiest analogy is one to marketing automation. Marketing automation as a category didn't exist 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, four years ago, companies like Eloqua and uh, others were sort of pioneering it. Um, Eloqua was bought by Oracle. 
Marketo was the company, was the leader in the mid-market space and went public and is still public. Companies like HubSpot came along and served a smaller business audience. And there's still more and more stuff happening in that space. And now it's a you know, $20, $30 billion industry. So I think sales software is very much along the same uh, trajectory, except I think it's a much bigger market because we're not talking about um, you know, selling into marketing departments. We're talking about selling to salespeople and sales teams. And as you know, the top of the, the, the pointy end of the spear, you know, the people that are actually bringing in the dollars for your business and growing the revenue line of your business are going to get the resources they need to be more successful. So I think there's an enormous untapped opportunity here. And we're really just getting started. So one of the issues that gets brought up all the time <clears throat> is that we're given the ability to so easily message such a large number of prospects, especially on the beginning stages of the sales cycle, is is that you know we're now sort of contributing to this this problem of they're receiving so many undifferentiated messages, right? So how did how's that going to evolve? How's that work? Or do you see a sort of best practices? in terms of this issue of personalization, because, you know, for me, yeah, I get emails that nominally from vendors and nominally, uh, they would say have been personalized, but I can tell they're, they're not because they all start with the word. Hi, Andy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people should learn by now putting the word. Hi is a giveaway. Um, and clearly it's, it might've been personalized, but not customized. I don't know the differentiation. You know, it's, it, there's nothing beyond my name, the the, silence, <laughs> the greeting, perhaps that's that's unique. So I, I worry about the fact we're going to sort of burn out a bunch of prospects that way. So what do you see as as sort of the solution to that? You're absolutely right to be concerned about this, um, and there are a number of quote unquote sales platforms that are glorified, you know, spam senders. And that's a real problem. Um, it, 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 you know, it's not only illegal, uh, it's also ineffective. Um, and, and so what we've done uh, in building Yesware is sort of take the with great power comes great responsibility approach mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, put in a bun and put in place some controls so that a manager or a VP or the head of sales operations can set boundaries on what features are available to which team and which rep and how many emails they can send per day or week or month um, to really fine tune the, um, you know, the risk basically that you would, that you would end up pissing off a prospect or, or, or wasting your lead list by too much outbound email communication. Yeah, it seems like the balance is sort of out of whack now relative to quantity versus quality. Completely. And, and if I were to you know, draw an analogy to um, internet advertising, banner ads, or consumer email, it's likely to get worse before it gets better. I mean, I, I, the way Yesware works is that the emails do not come from a third-party sender. They don't come from our servers. They come from the company's servers. So... It's good because our delivery rates are very, very, very high. Mm -hmm. because, but it's bad because if people abuse it, 
then those those you know company domains get put on spam lists. Right, and the deliverability goes way down. The deliverability is 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 stopped, and um, no business emails can go out. So we really try to put controls and 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 training actually in place so that our customers understand what's what's allowed and what's not allowed. And even if it's allowed legally, you can you can email people. Um, you know, with some level of customization legally, it's still not best practices. Like you, you really want to, for any kind of product that, you know, is worth buying a sales platform for, you want to also put in place the training for how to use it well. Yeah. You know, I think part of the conundrum is that companies feel caught oftentimes between the metrics they have in place in terms of, you know, hey, it has to be 50 contacts a day to generate, you know, three sales conversations and so on. And it just becomes, you know, they sort of just perpetuate this bad practice rather than saying, well, okay, well, how can we change or tailor our messaging, tailor what we're giving people, the value we're delivering in order to break through the noise and maybe we only have to do 25 contacts to get three sales conversations. That's right. I, I think the key there is what we were talking about sort of before we started the podcast was about measuring not activity, but measuring engagement. You know, it's not as important how many emails you send out or how many phone calls you make. What's really important is how many prospects are you talking to and what do they say? And how they're engaging with your your content. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, good. Well, great. We're going to leave it there. We're going to move to the last segment of our show. But in a minute, you'll get a chance to tell people how to find out more about Yesware. But here's part of the show where I ask some questions of my guests. And the first one is a hypothetical scenario uh, where you're the star of the show, and in this scenario, you, Matthew, have been hired as a sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out, and CEO and board really anxious to get unstuck and get going in the right direction. So your first week on the job, what two things could you do that would have the biggest impact? <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're cutting close to the bone here, Andy, because I've been in this situation before. <laughs> I'm sure. So, so the number one thing is to get a sense of the uh, of the people, uh, get a sense of the the people on the sales team, obviously the the you know the end, end users, bag carrying, quota carrying reps, and to get a sense of the uh, rest of the executive team and how much they are enabling or disabling sales success. And frankly, the 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 key thing there is um, you know. Uh, keep investing or fire, and it's probably better to, when in doubt, fire. Um, then the second thing is to go out and talk to existing customers and recent, you know, people who looked at the product and pushed you away, um, and try to get your hands on the ground, feet on the street feedback about what's actually going on with the sales process and the and the product reception in the market. Okay. Good answer. So here's some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or you can elaborate. It might be a first if somebody gave me a one word answer. Um, so the first one is when you're out selling you, Matthew Bellows, what's, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Authenticity. Who's your sales role model? <laughs> uh, Andy Grove. Ah, very timely. The day we passed away yesterday, the, the day we're recording this. Um, 
what's one book every salesperson should read? Turning Your Mind into an Ally. Oh, who's that by? It's by a meditation master called Mipam Rinpoche. M-I-P-H-A-M. Mipam. So, so say the title again so people catch it. Turning Your Mind into an Ally. All right. That may go on my list. I like that. Sound of that. Um, so do you practice things like meditation, mindfulness, and so on? Yep. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, so do I. Um, there's a tough question. What music's on your playlist right now? Right now I'm obsessed with the Decemberists. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> which, 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 uh, which album? Uh, <laughs> um, the song that I keep coming back to is Leslie Ann Levine. <laughs> which, yep. <laughs> I don't know. I'm obsessed with the song. Yeah, no, I love the Decemberists. Okay. Uh, last question for you then. So what's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? <laughs> Can I have more leads? <laughs> and your answer is? Uh, no. <laughs> My answer is yes, of course, the world is full of leads. Go get some. That's right. Exactly. That's the right answer. Well, good. Well, Matthew, thanks for being on the show. Uh, tell folks how they can find out more about Yesware. Um, go to our website, uh, yesware, Y-E-S-W-A-R-E dot com. Um, and my email address is Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W at yesware dot com if you have any questions or, or want to discuss more. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And making Accelerate a part of your daily routine is an easy way to do that. Then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Matthew Bellows, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your sales. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.